0: Hello, and thank you for listening to The Rampant Mumblings. You're listening to episode 42, part two, which, as you may have guessed, is the second part of a two-part special where I'm interviewing the developer of the app that's currently number one in over 16 countries in the world, Crystal, the iOS content blocker made by Mr. Dean Murphy. In the first episode, we've already covered so, so much, like what it's like to work with Apple, developing the ideas, where he got his inspiration from, and those articles that really brought to like just how much data and time are being used in the name of serving you adverts coming up we're going to talk about background updates and what's next for crystal his regret about peace and not being able to try it we go in depth and he's quite candid about app store revenue pricing value and his feelings on how much he's charging for his app, his desire to make a better web experience and promote positive advertising. And just in case you think that isn't enough, we also have another edition of Nemo's Hardware Store, where this week John takes a look at some interesting wireless speakers that also use NFC. So enough of the ramblings, let's crack on with part two of the interview. Hope you enjoy. And obviously that's going to be coming up in the version 2 version of uh, Crystal, is it? Um... You don't have to give anything yeah. away. Let, let's let's let, let's keep a bit of a mystery about it. Because, like I say, I'm I'm a big supporter of this app, as I am any app that you know makes my life better. Because I'm selfish like that. <laughs> You mentioned that it's all done by a massive text file. How much work what's the workload involved in keeping that text file up to date and current? And you know, if you if let's say demand drops off, you've had enough and you are to jack it in, how long would Crystal work for without you having to maintain that file?
1: For the majority of websites, it'll work perfectly fine, to be honest. It's it's quite resourceful. Just if, if I pulled it not that i'm going to if i pulled it today it would still work for an indefinite amount of time until all their mad networks listed on there change you know whatever servers they show from or or adapt in different ways which is very unlikely
0: is it a fairly big job to keep editing the file and updating it or have you of automated the process it's very hard to automate it
1: uh, to be honest it's mainly just um I, I i check websites that's it um basically i've got two features built into crystal one you can report a website and that loads up into a portal for me so I can see what website you've reported and ideally you'd be reporting a website that's still showing ads or is not showing ads um, but it's but stopped working in some in some way and then what I do I'd go in I'll check that site I'll find out what the problem is fix it and then I can do a background update to crystal to the block list so I can send that block list out to everyone who's got crystal um, in the background so everyone's set up website will be fixed for all the user base. And that's something that um, some, some rivals haven't got built into their app, this background update. So they have to rely on Apple's seven-day review process um, to review their app before they can release an update.
0: Now, what's it been like working with Apple? To get, did you hit any roadblocks because you were one of the first people to get this in the iOS store when iOS 9? Go into a little bit about what it's like trying to submit an app and go through dealing with them.
1: Yeah, um, Apple have been very supportive. I've, um, I've been speaking to a few people on the WebKit team. They're the guys who make Safari and make this feature because um, WebKit is open source. Um, you'll find they're a lot more responsive than the majority of Apple where it's, they're normally shrouded in secrecy. So that's quite a nice side of Apple to see. And, yeah, they've been very supportive. Um, submitting the app is, is quite annoying because I've translated it into seven different languages. That's um, when you submit an app, you need to submit screenshots. And ideally, you need to submit different screenshots in different languages for the languages you support. And you can have up to maximum of five screenshots in the App Store. Um, I've chosen only to use three screenshots, but you've got to provide screenshots for five different devices, iPad and all the iPhones. So if you're doing the math, that's three uh, screenshots times five devices times seven languages. It's about 120 off the top of my head. 120 screenshots, all localized and Yeah, (laughs) a lot of work in Photoshop. Too much work in Photoshop.
0: I don't envy you on that one. Yeah,
1: um, because I I made Crystal 100% on my own in my spare time. You know, I've got a full-time job. This isn't what I do for my full-time job. Although, come Monday morning, there will be a resignation letter on my boss's desk, I think.
0: Seriously? Yep. So, oh, that's why you don't want me to push this out until Monday afternoon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's the reason. Yep, I'm going to try and... um, because this is number one app in the app store across the world, I think there's kind of like a spotlight on me where I can make a positive change in, in this kind of space. Um, but to do that, I need something, I need time, basically. And that's something that a full time, where I've got a full time job, uh, you know, two kids and a wife, that's something that I haven't got a lot of. So by getting rid of, I can't get rid of the family um, without raising a few eyebrows. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll be jacking into the, the day job. And hopefully, working on this full time and making it a lot, you know, putting a lot more resources into it.
0: And how has your wife coped with your newfound fame, success, and the fact you've probably been stuck behind a computer screen for the last, oh, probably a couple of weeks, I would imagine?
1: Yeah, she's been um, very supportive. Um, she's been very supportive about this project. She had quite low expectations for it, she didn't think it'd go anywhere. I thought we'd have like a mild success. Um, I didn't expect being number one on in 14 countries around the world. Yeah, so it's been a complete overwhelming success and she's over the moon that um, it's worked out so well.
0: You're feeling all right, which kind of leads us very uh, very shockingly badly into the news from one of your competitors. Now, and this is not meant to be any fact, you don't have, let's say, the the social network, the backing of other major podcast podcast networks, you know, like the Marco Arment's, the John Gruber's, the John Syracuse's, Casey Liss, and everyone else in that circle. You've had none of that, and yet you've managed to, Achieve, you know, like you say, you're you've been number one in the app stores, you know, all over the place. So let's just move on to what's happened on the last couple of days, where Marco Arman released peace and then pulled it. Yeah, he's.
1: Um, I'm a big fan of Marco. I have been for years, and um, yeah, I used to listen to him on Build and Analyze back on five uh, the five x five, five network back when he used to do that before ATP. And I've actually got a few ATP T-shirts lying around as well that I've uh, purchased over the couple, past two years. I knew he was working on ad blocker, but I never actually heard anything about it. Like he wouldn't share any secret, you know, share anything about it on his podcast or or anything. So I thought it was kind of peculiar. And then randomly, it just dropped. You know, he just released it and said, "Here's my new app. It's Peace." And it just got spread around. You know, hit the top of the app store. It was. Um, I was right behind it. Some of the some of the way towards the end of Peace's lifetime. Yeah, I, ne- uh, my, I do have a big regret, and that's I never got to try it. I never got to download it. And uh, I wish I did before he before he pulled it.
0: Do, do you have any regret that you're only charging uh, ninety nine cents or seventy nine p here in the UK? And now, obviously, he was licensing Ghost Three, so obviously there's going to be a license fee there. Do you have any remorse about only charging seventy nine p ninety nine cents? You think you should have gone more, or are you? Did you go into this thinking I'm happy with this price, irrespective if if others come along and make more money than me?
1: Yeah, I, to be honest, the main reason I started is I've been in, I've been doing a lot of soul searching on pricing and you know what to do with the costing and, and all that. And um, basically, I, I didn't come into this to make you know a fortune, make you know a million dollars or two hundred million dollars. You know, I didn't come into it making that with that kind of assumption. I just kind of went into it thinking I want to make a better web. Um if there's more content blocker apps out there, that's perfectly fine uh, because they're all leading to the same goal that I'm leading to is just to improve the web and make it a better experience um in regards to pricing i wanted to make my app affordable to everyone um that's the reason it's priced so cheaply um and not everyone in the western world obviously you know 99 cents 99 pence is like nothing for me it's I'll, i want not mind spending a pound two pound three pound that makes no difference But i've actually priced it using apple's new alternate tiers which give it very sensitive prices in emerging markets such as china and india so in china and india i make about um i don't know 20 pence per sale which is very little, but then uh, as they've got obviously a lower income scale, it kind of works to their to their benefit. So that's the main, main reason why price is so low.
0: And it is it is worth mentioning here that Marco, Marco does things, he has withdrawn in a typical, I would say, classy sort of way. Because he does say on his website, even though I'm winning, I've enjoyed none of it. That's why I'm withdrawing from the market. And then two paragraphs down, he says, I suggest you use Ghost 3 on the desktop and one of these competitors on iOS Instead, both of which are good ants and we're probably about to surpass Peace anyway. Obviously, there's a competitor. It seems I have an opinion on this, but I'm not sure if it's a valid opinion because this, the the piece over at Marco.org seems very well written from a PR standpoint of telling you something, but not really telling you anything and let's not forget marco was the yeah was quite instrumental in offline news reading with instapaper which pulled down articles for offline reading without and adverts.
1: Yep, yep that's basically an, an ad blocker by by proxy it wasn't intended for that use but that's the service it provided reading reading his piece yeah, his, his, piece, his piece on piece. Knowing how Marco Marco operates in the past, like I said, I've been a big fan of him for many years. Um, I know on ATP, he's no, he's, he doesn't shy away from saying that he reads every email, he doesn't reply to every email. Um, he reads every tweet, he doesn't reply to every tweet. I can imagine with an app like Peace, you get a lot of, especially the popularity you got, you'd get a lot of contact from a lot of people. And he had no support channel set up. So I, I looked on his website um i looked he didn't have a twitter account for example he didn't have an email listed on his website for contact so really the only form of contact he had was someone to contact his personal twitter account whereas for me i've got an email account in place that you can contact and send feedback i've got um uh, my twitter account i've got a twitter account set up where people can send their feedback so my personal account is mainly left out a loop for it for them for the most part Um, and and i i i I completely understand how he feels. He probably felt very overwhelmed with the amount of feedback that he got for it. Although Most of the feedback I've got is mainly just feature requests and bugs and um, just assistance using it. So.
0: I think in a way you might benefit from not being in that, that particular circle because let's face it, when any of those, like the Marco Arms, John Gruber's or the you know those sort of circles release an app, they sort of do this press junket tour so when Syracuse used to do his uh, X reviews, that was a big press junket tour. I'm just reading this, when this seems like a horrifically, horrifically douche move by Gruber, where he said, I think if your Safari content blocker blocks the deck by default, it's wrong. I dare you to defend it this is coming from Gruber, who is tying in very very deeply with the deck and it's still an advert and i kind of see and i I don't know maybe i just feel a little bit like Gruber's, you know throwing his toys out the pram because let's face it if you're in that circle and you have x amount of readers coming from marco.org suddenly marco releases a uh, an app that directly, directly impacts you there and then. And you can see, let's say, for example, you're earning £3,000 a week or $3,000 a week off your advert. And then all of a sudden this one app comes down and you're suddenly down to a thousand. I can see why Gruber would be would you know would say this like i said if your mm. safari content blocks a deck by default it's wrong i dare you to defend it T- to be fair the deck is and this is coming from marco.org so i'll read this out verbatim yeah. the deck is unusually well behaved for an ad provider it's are small unintrusive non-a- non-animated non and classy and whilst it's loaded by a third party java 16 screwed, include it doesn't in- it doesn't set cookies or perform any tracking that's why i publish deck ads on the site and why many of my friends and colleagues do but Peace uses the Ghostry database, and Ghostery includes the deck. It's classified as advertising, even though it's far nicer than other entries in the category. It's only fair to call it advertising. So I can see, I can see his point. But then adverts, are adverts are adverts. Then, so, let, so let's let's spin this back to you. Are you ever oh. going to be in a state where we talked about this off air, where you are going to whitelist some? Advert some sites, or are you just going to have a pretty much one? You know, it's either an advert or it isn't. It's like a binary thing. It's either yes or no.
1: Yeah, it, it's very complicated. I mean, the, the deck. I don't have a problem with their adverts. Um, as John Gruber says, they're you know, or as Marco says, they're well behaved. They, they you know, they follow some very good quite very good criteria and a good example of of advertising on the web. Um, most of the products. It's very rare for me to see advertising for a product that I'm going to buy. And most of the deck adverts are services that I've bought or used, like Squarespace, Hover, or MailChimp, for example. Um, I don't think I'd personally, uh, I wouldn't push out, Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in charge of choosing who the good ads are and who the bad ads are. Like, for example, if I decided, um, oh, the deck are good, I'm going to let everyone see their deck ads. That's fine. And then what about another ad network that, you know, isn't being used in these tech circles that's equally as good as the deck? I'm sure there must be, you know, one two, several out there um where does it stop i mean google ads aren't that bad if you look on google search they, the search ads aren't you know flashing in your face and um, they're quite classy you know they're just matching with the search results they're quite native should i unblock them as well because they're similar to the deck ones you know it, it just raises too many questions i um, that's what i need to think about over the next few weeks is just what's the best way to um and to promote positive advertising and to um it, it's such a complicated thing that, I'm, <laughs> that i need to think about and um you know, just what the options because I feel, like I said, earlier, since Marco took his app down, my app's gone all the way to the top, and that puts a lot of pressure on me to to do something right. Uh, Marco said something in his post where he took Gosry down. That um, that it require it require a lot of work and a lot of thinking. And a, um, yeah, there we go. Uh, I'll read the quote out. If if we're going to affect positive change, overall, a more nuanced, nuanced and complex approach is required than what I can bring in a simple iOS app. So um, that's why I'm going to spend the next uh, a few weeks thinking about it. i've got a few features i want to add and also that sentence marco says you know a more a complex approach see see what's possible um i've got no affiliate with the advertising industry I, i'm very new to ad blocking this is you know i've I made this in three months before then i've never made an ad blocker so i've got a lot to learn and a lot to to take in really <laughs>
0: And, and like I said, I don't. You, you know, you're not under the same pressures as probably Marco would be, because as he's as he says in his post, that a lot of his friends, and a lot of publishers, use it. So I can see why he would probably be more susceptible. Um, and what's the word I'm looking for? Feel more of the pressures because he's directly influencing the channels of income uh, that that they would get.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people reach out to me to say. Um... Please allow me to whitelist the deck. I really want to support John Gruber and, you know, mention him specifically or Daring Fiebel specifically. Um, when I thought about it, I was, well, the deck is, I don't know how much he earns from the deck, but when you look at his uh, sponsorship page, he charges uh, about ten $10,000 $10, a week for his sponsorship posts, which are native advertising. You know, he just puts them in as an article himself. So, you know, by blocking the deck, he's not going to go hungry.
0: No, and the deck as well is fairly exclusive in the world of advertising. Now, I like I said, I've got adverts on my sites, and pretty much I can go to hundreds of affiliate schemes or ad, you know, advert processing sites, uh, content distributors, and all that, and they'll, you know, they'll take you on with. The deck, they have to be, you have to be chosen to be worthy of going on them. And if you look at the sort of, if you look at all the sites that are on the deck, they are, yeah, they are of a high quality. They all get a huge amount of traffic, but all those adverts are within the same group. It brings up, it does bring up, you know, like you say, it is going to be, I don't envy the position that you're in because, you know, an advert is an advert. Whether it's 50 shades of adverts is another question but you know let's not forget you know i don't um i don't i don't know with peace if there was an option like you well no the option would be there because the reload content without script without blocking that's an ios 9 thing that's not yes. a crystal thing or a purify or a peace thing that's just, that that's within ios isn't it
1: yeah that's right
0: So we're going to take a moment here just to take a quick break and jump over to Nemo's hardware store. And this week, John's reviewing a set of speakers with, it's fair to say, a bit of a difference. He's reviewing the Touch Dual Boombox portable wireless speaker for smartphones, which have a rather nifty feature of not only being portable, but they use NFC as well. And John's kindly done a bit of an audio test just to show what sort of difference you're going to get between using, well, it's fair to say, a fairly weedy iPhone speaker versus the Touch dual boombox. So, John, thank you very much once again for being part of the show.
2: And it's over to you. We're back at Nemo's Hardware Store, and we've got a humdinger of a portable boombox. It comes from a company with an unusual name. Thumbs Up is the name of the company. It's called the Thumbs Up Touch Dual Boombox Speaker for Smartphones. And it only comes in one color, with black. There's no case or volume control or tone controls. Just has a charging port and it comes with a micro USB cable that you can charge up using your charger for your iPhone or your iPad or any USB output charger. And then you charge up into the uh, DC 5 volt micro USB port. Turn this thing on and that's all you need to do. It's got a little handle. Looks like a giant set of binoculars and you'll see it on our picture on the website here from the Amazon link. In the U.S. it costs just under $50 at Amazon and hopefully Mark and find the UK and European and possibly international pricing. But just figure $50 US, thereabouts. It uses near-field technology. There is an input on the back for auxiliary. There's no cable provided, but you can use any small aux input audio cable plug from any audio source. But what makes Touch Dual Boombox so wonderful is you just set your iPhone on it and it sounds great. I'm going to give you a demo right now. So just a sec. Here's the original Gene Vincent version of a great song from the late 50s. This is playing it straight on my iPhone. Now I'm playing this using the music app on my iPhone. Now I turn on the boombox. Here we go, off switch, on. Okay, The blue light comes on. I just set the iPhone back here, set it right on it. Let's see what it sounds like. Oh, it's upside
0: down. <laughs>
2: Now, obviously, this is not a video podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing, but go to the web links so you can see what this unusual dual boombox looks like and realize no longer ever again is your volume not going to be loud enough. The sound is clear. It doesn't distort. I'm very, very pleased. I'm going to use it personally. I'm going to use it when I teach, when I give presentations. I did a demo recently at the local Mac user group, and people were shocked. The sound filled the whole room just by me setting it on there. How about a little bird dog?
0: Johnny is a joker.
2: He's a bird. He's a bird, all right. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and it's great to be here with Nemo's Hardware Store.
0: Cheers, John, and thanks once again for doing the Nemo's hardware segment for us. And of course, for those listening, you can catch John Nemo over on the MyMac.com website. And I guarantee there's probably not many other reviews you're going to get in the tech world that feature some 50s rock and roll music. You can get the thumbs up, touch your boombox speaker for smartphones in retail packaging for 48.89 plus free shipping from Amazon in the US. And if you're in the UK, you can get it for £26.03 at the time of writing plus delivery so let's go back to the interview and we have a lot lot more coming up we finished talking about peace we go into a little bit of discussion why ad blocking doesn't work on the iphone 5s models what's next for crystal whitelist safari ad blocking and we delve just a little bit on how to potentially sideload apps into the new apple tv so back to the interview like i, said, I think there's more to this article in Marco the Meets CI. I can see where he's coming from. I think it's a bit of a PR piece. Um, hopefully on the on the ATP podcast, he will go into a bit more detail. And this isn't to rag on him at all. It's, it's just like I say, I mean, let's take for example another thing. It's like, if you're going to release an app, it's always going to affect someone. If you release um, a podcast app, he released Overcast, but he had no qualms about entering a market full of other podcast players and catchers. And, you know, obviously releasing it for free, so he gets the market share. And then, you know, if people want to pay for it, they pay for it. And that in itself, the second you go into a market where you go into competition, you're going to affect someone's back pocket. And I find it a bit sort of odd that he would do that with Overcast. And I would be very surprised if it didn't have an effect so much so that now Instacast is no longer being actively developed. I would challenge anyone to say that Overcast didn't play a part of that. And like we said earlier on, you know, you come onto the market and you release something like Instapaper, which, again, brings articles down for offline reading. Why? It just seems a bit ambiguous as to why all of a sudden there's this, you know, there's this conscience of crisis or this crisis of conscience all of a sudden. But, you know, that's just my opinion. You know, I listen to the ATP podcast. It's one of my favourite podcasts, so...
1: Yeah, no, of course. Um, one, one thing I've learned about Marco as well, just I mean, just purely just from listening to his podcast, is he's someone who likes control. He likes to have a lot of control over what he does. He likes to have a lot of control over what he's doing. Um, I personally thought when I heard he was doing an ad blocker that he wouldn't be he wouldn't be that dedicated to create a whitelist or to or to update the whitelist regularly because um, it's a hell of a lot of work that's involved of manually checking sites. Because blocking stuff does tend to break things sometimes. So I, I didn't think he'd be that dedicated because it's a hell of a lot of tedious work. And that's something that I know he doesn't like to do. So I, I was a bit surprised when I found out he licensed his database from Ghostry. That's a very Marco thing to do, you know, it's kind of like outsourcing. You know, he doesn't want to do all this work. Some other company's already done the work. Why not get the work off them? Uh, the only downside from that, if there's a website broken, or for example, everyone's pressuring to remove the deck, that's not his choice to make. He's using someone else's database. And if he edits that, that's not their database anymore. That's their edited database, if you get what I mean. Yeah.
0: Suddenly you are so have to take on a, a very manual, yeah. labor-intensive like, yeah. task.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm using Go3Database. Apart from the part about the deck, I'll let them in. And, um, oh, this other advertising agency is just like the deck. Let's let them in too. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very messy approach to it, which I think he wasn't really prepared for um, as well.
0: Well, let's move away from that then. Let's move on to the reason why you're here is to talk about Crystal. What's coming up next? What have you got in the pipeline apart from leaving your job on Monday morning, probably?
1: Yep. Um, My biggest uh, request, apart from iPhone 5 support, I've had a lot of people email about iPhone 5 support and it's just not possible to do because uh, the 64-bit limitation that Apple put on it is a whitelist. So you can choose to whitelist um, sites you want to support. So if you want to support John Gruber, you can whitelist Darren Fiebel and anything that he's got running in the background, which to be honest, isn't much at all, isn't literally just the deck. And I think it's just the deck, to be honest, will, will run perfectly. So that's that's my next feature. Um, it's a little bit complex than other people's whitelists because I want to have it sync through iCloud. So if you've got an iPhone and an iPad, um, it will sync perfectly. And I'm also planning to work on a Safari version for OS X because the same sort of feature is built into OS X Safari. And by building this whitelist feature in that app, in my iOS app and the cloud syncing functionality, hopefully I'll be able to bring that over to the desktop as well. So if you whitelist a site, you'll whitelist it on all your devices at once.
0: So you're, so the aim is to sort of like go down the is it the continuity where whatever you do on your phone then reflects on your Mac. So I could have yeah. Crystal running on my Mac and if I decide that I want to sponsor. You know, sorry, not sponsor, but load up the adverts on my phone that'll sink across because, I mean, let's not forget here, uh, we'll probably just come into Apple news very quickly in a few minutes, that, you know, ad blocking on the desktop has been around for an absolute age. And you can't really have a show like this where you can't mention, you know, ad block for Chrome and now Safari, which has been around for absolutely ages. You know, considering how small Apple is really in the world of devices. It's just mad, isn't it, how all of a sudden all these developers, not developers, all these publishers are completely up in in uproar over something that's existed for absolutely ages.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing that surprised me about all the media uh, thing. Obviously, no one actually knows what kind of impact this will have until uh, maybe about a month from now. I mean, at the moment, um, as of a few hours ago, iOS 9 has only hit uh, 24, sorry, 25% of devices. So 25% of devices that can upgrade from iOS 8 to iOS 9 have upgraded. So my app's number one at the moment, and only a quarter of iOS users can actually download it.
0: Do you have the stats on how that compares to the iOS 8 adoption by any chance?
1: I don't, but I have heard that it's pretty much mir- it's kind of mirroring what iOS 7 was getting, I believe. So similar numbers to what iOS 7 was getting, which is quite good.
0: The thing about iOS nine, it's a hell of a jump, but it's not that bad a jump. And it sounds completely stupid to say that, but once you go over to iOS nine, I was on the betas, and I've, i for one thing, I've learned I would not be installing beta public one ever again. <laughs>
1: oh, you made that mistake, did you?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I was like, yes, I'm going to this, and then I saw like after a couple of couple of weeks of using, I was thinking. I sort of I want to pay the 99 dollars now just to go onto the dev build to get out of this misery <laughs> I mean lcap was really good uh and then one of the beaters so i think it was beta f- probably beta four um went like an absolute blinding bat on fire and then the two beaters after that were just absolutely dog dogs <laughs> now it, yeah on the gm it doesn't appear to be you know too you bad can... at all.
1: You can never tell. You assume that the beaters are going to get better as they go on, but it can always be just one dodgy build that you've got for like two weeks. (laughs) It's just just a pain to work with.
0: And that's why I keep telling everyone to have a backup. And a public service announcement, buying a small USB drive from PC World that's one terabyte made by a El Cheapo brand and doing a backup on that, that's not really a backup. That's something waiting to fail. Uh, not that I had to deal <laughs> with that this week at all. So, right, so we're running on to one hour 30. So let's just go very, very quickly into the uh, into Apple News. Have you used the Apple tool?
1: Apple News? Um, yes, I've used it. Um, it crashes quite a lot, so I stopped using it.
0: Fortunately <laughs> for me, touch wood, on my iPhone 6, that's dying slowly. It was funny, this morning only one speaker worked, now both headphones work, and I know it's not the headphones that <laughs> tested them. Anyway, Apple News, it's pretty much like if you were to open up Safari, go into Bookmark View, and then every article you read is in Reader View.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's it's very clean. I love how they display the articles. Um, It's just... Uh, some was a little bit off to me. Like I was reading like a, a very techie post. Um, I don't know about something about Apple. I can't remember. So like Apple in a car. And then it just recommended to me, um, uh, I think it was a Mashable article about uh, a birthday cake going and getting drunk. Just like this Instagram slideshow of this birthday cake, just drinking beer over the course of a night, you know, I thought, why is that related? What's that got to do with it? <laughs> so um, it's, it's it's early stages at the moment. It's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. But um, it's very interesting that Apple have you know introduced content blocking on one side, you know, to um, which essentially limits how much money publishers can make on the web, and in opening up this new channel called Apple News, where publishers can come and make money.
0: The thing to remember is here is that you know people always have the option to go back the web and that's quite weird isn't it Saying you go back to the web because again like in crystal you can press and hold on the reload button and it will take you back to the normal website and they really do seem to be pushing this thing of get the content first read what you want to do and then it's up to you if you want to support these other advert yeah you know, these other things now is it a little bit disingenuous to say, well, right, we're, we're blocking adverts, but you can use iAds to put adverts in, which <laughs> I have no idea what to do, because believe me, I've been battling with the developer instructions something chronically. So I'll probably chat to you off air on that one. I actually
1: watched uh, about a week ago, Steve Jobs, it was about five years ago now, in um, demonstrating iAds for the first time. And I remember I was amazed at it. I thought, wow, this is really cool advertising. You know, they showed uh, Toy Story 3 was just coming out. And uh, there's a Toy Story 3 banner. You tap on it. There's a game in there. You get free download. You can download a wallpaper for your phone. You can watch a trailer. All from Tetra. It's just such a great interactive ad. And then they had like a Nike slideshow where you can customize your shoes, add them to your cart, and then press another button. And it will just take you into the web page with your order. You know, such cool, innovative adverts. And that was five years ago. Nothing has actually come out of iAds that was like that. You know, the t- technology is there, it's there, and there's no one's using it. Everyone's just using it just to, you know, show some junk.
0: Uh, it, it, one thing that I really do have a pet peeve about with advertising, well, when I was doing my Coach to 5K last year, uh, there was a one app that I sort of like using, and I didn't really like using, but I was invested in the app. But every time you completed a run, it would. So whilst, whilst you were running, it would pop up an advert from the bottom. And this advert just so happened to encroach on the controls, like <laughs> start, stop. The worst thing was was that the little close icon was actually part of the advert. Make, to make it even worse, uh, I was checking a couple of apps you know, to see what used how much data it used in six weeks for running app that apparently doesn't track you or doesn't h- hold any personal information about you? It's somehow consumed over hundred and forty meg. It's not the malware that you need to be careful on the on the app store, which has just come out. It's the apps that look disingenuous like that. One final question I've got. Uh, obviously, you know you've been upfront with how much you know how well you're doing. How do you feel about thirty percent of every sale? going towards Apple, What what's your personal take on that? Is that something that you've you're you've become adjusted to? Um, yeah, it's,
1: um, I view it from a different way to most developers. I mean, I haven't, you know, I view it as I haven't got a choice. They set the rules, it's their platform, I've agreed to it, that's, that's perfectly fine if that's what they want to charge. They do provide some great technology to us. So, for example, my app runs on CloudKit, so basically, I have access to their iCloud infrastructure, which use it, which I use to sync the block lists and which I will use to sync the whitelists. And it, I use it for a few other things as well. So they, I feel like they do send out some, you know, they do put some great technology, they do make some great technology available to developers. Um, of course, as with all technology, as with all software, there's bugs and it does get frustrating um, that there's bugs. And, you know, everyone likes to complain when there's a bug and it's affecting them. Um, but at the end of the day, that's that's I don't know, that's the world we live in. No, nothing's perfect. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy with them to take 30%. But I would, you know, the amount of money they make off the app store, I would like them to see them reduce it, maybe twenty-five, twenty percent, possibly, just put more money in, in the pockets of developers. Um, especially when you see um one of my favorite apps for design, Sketch, is on uh, is on OS ten. Um they got asked if they would make an iPad version for the iPad Pro. Which would be perfect, you know. You have got the pen, sorry, the Apple Pencil or whatever it's called, and they said, "No, we can't see, uh, we, ca- we can't see us getting a return on our investment on that." And that's a big problem for Apple. If developers have great software, um, to put it in perspective, Sketch won a Apple Design Award for like one of, for being like one of the best apps last year or the year before. So that's the kind of apps they should be attracting to the iPad Pro. I think Apple could do more to reach out to these kind of developers and say, "Here's you know, here's some money, make an app for this platform," you know. If, if they can't see a return investment, Apple should be paying for that kind of, uh, you know, giving them a good incentive to, to build their app for that platform. But I think Apple kind of just treats everyone very, you know, treats everyone the same, whether you're Microsoft or whether you're just some guy in his bedroom make an app. everyone uh, you know, buys by the same rules.
0: And then, less yeah, less often. Yeah, you do get quite a lot as well. Um, I imagine for your thirty percent, because Xcode, for what I'm gathering, as a non-developer. That's quite a that's quite a powerful set of tools. And yeah, you know, as a developer, if you had <laughs> to name a price that you would pay for the Xcode tools, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for free, what would you personally pay for them?
1: Oh God, it's a hugely uh, it's a hugely complex piece of software. I know I always wanted to be a games developer, you know, to build video games, but hard uh, to buy like a development kits. For example, back when I was playing games like a Game Boy, a Nintendo 64, development kits were like $15,000, $20,000, you know, they were huge expensive just for basically an N64 in a PC that you can make games for. So $99, I think they charge for a year for the subscription is well worth it. It's, it's such a great value for money. And it goes to show um, Nintendo – just use an example with Nintendo – they do – you can be a developer on their platform. To develop for their Wii U, you need to buy the hardware for about five grand. Um, And that's a lot of money just to – you know, it's a lot of money just to outlay, just to try and develop for this platform, whereas – if I wanted to build an app for an Apple TV it'd cost me one hundred and fifty dollars for the Apple TV hundred dollars for the developer license and I'm good to go you know and they've made it so simple and so easy just to get started developing especially with iOS 7 oh, sorry especially with Xcode 7 which has just come out this year because you can actually for the first time create your own app and run it on your phone without a
0: developer license now, that that has been yeah pretty instrumental as well yeah.
1: It also opens up a few avenues for open-source software. So a lot of people can put their software online, you can download it and run it locally on your phone, which you couldn't do that before. Uh,
0: well, I did see today, uh, you made a, a brilliant reference to Nintendo and the N64. As I saw today for the Apple TV, someone's actually working on a, is it a Game Boy or GameCube emulator. Uh, it, was, oh, wow. it, it, it was a Nintendo emulator for the Apple TV. So far, they've only got it like a, a sort of like a, Working tech demo of it, but that'd be quite cool. I'd love to have a snares on my Apple TV. I've got to say,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, if that, if the, if sorry, if the Apple TV works the same as the iPhone, obviously I doubt Apple will ever let that into the App Store, um, at least on purpose. So if the Apple TV works the same as what the iPhone does in Xcode Seven, you could just plug your Apple TV into your Mac, run it, uh, sorry, compile it yourself once you download it, and you're good to go. Which is a quite a good way of working around it. I'm not sure if there's any other technical limitations. it's like a time limit or something that's on it, but um, it's, it's really great just to encourage people to start developing on their devices without having um, any budget really.
0: Yeah and of course everyone's looking forward to Plex hopefully coming on to the Apple TV. I've
1: never tried Plex, but I'm looking forward to trying it. I've heard so many good things about it.
0: It is when, once you try it, it's like this is what I want it's, uh, it it really is fantastic, really is well. <laughs> I think that is good. We're one hour 13. So I think we've sort of covered a bit. Would you be amenable if anyone's got any questions or they want you to answer something on the podcast? Are you all right if we say, right, send the Twitter to at ocean speed or your Twitter's at underscore crystal apps?
1: Yep. Yeah, uh, you might be best off uh, contacting me directly um, at Crafty Dino. That's probably the best place.
0: So if you want to email Dino or myself any questions, if you're up for it, Dino, I'd like you to come back on the show. We can sort of go over a few more because we have covered quite a lot in this last hour and a half. It'd be good to sort of, you know, do a, a, a follow-up session. It'd be good to catch up with you again to see how the development's going, hear about life or on the App Store, the ups and downs. Uh, so if you're up for that, that'll be good. Yeah. yeah, Anytime. Plug yourself. How can we find you? What's your website, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Google, your Bebo, your MySpace, and anything else that you want to plug? Go, <laughs> yeah, go for it.
1: Oh, God. Don't, don't find my Bebo account, please. <laughs> That's uh, hidden somewhere somewhere very special. Um, yeah, um, you can find me at, like I said earlier, at Crafty Dino. Um, I'm not really that crafty. Uh, don't let the name fool you. Um, my website address is at, uh, no, it's not at, is it? It's murphyapps.co. And Crystal App can be found um, at crystalapp.co
0: and I'll have all of these in the show notes well Dean I know it's a Saturday probably not many people can say oh what did you do on a Saturday night like, well I did an interview on a little known podcast so thank you very very <laughs> much for coming on the show I can appreciate just how busy you are because you yeah, know the internet has been going blazes you know about Crystal and you know obviously thank you very very much for coming on the show you'll be able to get in contact with Dino I'll put everything in the show notes so you'll know how to get a hold of us you can get a hold of me via Twitter speed or follow me on essentialmac.co.uk and of course you've been listening to the rampant mumblings so until next time i really hope you enjoyed the special edition and don't forget you can support the show simply by going on to itunes and leaving us a review rating or both